RX. I'm Kurt Anderson, and this is the Studio 360 Podcast. Over the years, Studio 360's American Icon series has explored deeply dozens of important and influential works of literature, film, television, architecture, design, music, and visual art. We have done segments on cultural touchstones like The Muppets and the Andy Warhol soup can paintings and full hours on the Disney theme parks and Monticello, um, The Great Gatsby, Native Son, and many more. We present them as the works of art and entertainment that have shaped who we are and how we see ourselves as Americans. Now at Studio 360, we are turning to our hometown, New York, for a new batch of icons. Stories about works of art that took shape in the city but have shaped people everywhere. When it came out in 1978, people who loved salsa thought that the album Siembra was commercially doomed. It was by Ruben Blades and Willie Colon, but the songs were too long, they bashed American consumerism, and pushed for social change. Instead, Siembra became the first salsa record ever to sell more than a million copies. It's still probably the best seller in the genre. On this edition of New York Icons, Giselle Regatau explains why Siembra was so successful commercially and creatively and how it also fostered a colossal fight. How do you make a salsa hit? First, you use a British opera from the 18th century about a beggar. Then, you add the German take on it from 1928. Mix a little bit of gangs from Panama, a black sneaker, a golden tooth, a prostitute, a thief, and you have Pedro Navaja, or Peter the Blade, a song that is more than seven minutes long. Lentes oscuros pa' que no sepan que está mirando Y un diente de oro que cuando ríe se ve brillando Pedro Navaja is a thief who's walking down the street. From the opposite direction comes a woman, a prostitute. Pedro stabs her to try to rob her of her purse. But she has a gun, and even injured, she manages to shoot him. They both die. This is an encounter between two people. And the, the consequences of the encounter are not expected by any of the participants. Ruben Blades is a singer-songwriter from Panama who wrote Pedro Navaja mixing all of those influences. He composed the lyrics and music of all but one song of the album Siembra. And then at the end, of the, the beneficiary of the, somebody else's disgrace is a drunk who then picks up everything that, that he found, thanks God, and then keeps on walking and saying that life is full of surprises. Mm-hmm. 
gives you surprises. That chorus is the perfect analogy for the album Siembra itself. It almost didn't come out. I remember that they, Jerry Masucci was the president of Fania. He called Willie Colon and myself to um, his office and he played the record in front of the three top DJs, uh, New York DJs, salsa DJs. And the three of them said that this record should not be put out because it would be the commercial death of Willie Colon. Willie Colon was the big star on the album at the time. Raised in the Bronx, Colon was already a salsa institution as a trombone player, and he had more than a dozen records under his belt. Siembra was his second collaboration with Ruben Blades, and on the album, he did not play the trombone. He was the producer. Willie Colon, at the time, was a, uh, a proven seller. Uh, he was very famous and established. If Willie Colon had not been on this record, it could have been put away. By the time Siembra came out, salsa was a big phenomenon in New York City. The rhythm was born in Latino neighborhoods like this one, East Harlem. When my uh, parents came to the U.S. from Puerto Rico, they both lived here and they met at a party here. Ed Morales is a music critic and author of several books, including Latinx, the new force in American politics and culture. He says Salsa was born here and in the Bronx, as different immigrants met in New York, in particular Puerto Ricans, Cubans, and African Americans. And uh, they formed a, a kind of a melting pot among themselves, uh, which was part of the creation of uh, a Latino identity in New York. And the Latino identity in New York has always been more diverse than other Latino uh, populations of different cities, like for instance in the West Coast, more dominated by uh, Mexicans and Central Americans. That melting pot led to lots of music mixes. In the late 50s came mambo, which combined jazz with Cuban rhythms. But in 1959, Cuba had its revolution. Aquí Radio Rebelde a las puertas de Santiago de Cuba. The cultural relation between U.S. and Cuba uh, chilled, and they began to lack access to all of this uh, Cuban music that was coming. So then they were forced to try to make their own kind of music. The first kind of music they made was Boogaloo. Boogaloo, baby, I made it me because I gave it the Latin beat. That's the song that Cardi B sampled. But I digress. In the 60s, Salsa mixed all of those rhythms with a little bit of rock and added a very important instrument, the trombone. They wanted to create this sound, and the trombone sounds uh, kind of not as pleasant. It reflected the difficult reality of Latin immigrants at the time. And Eddie Palmieri had the idea of using two trombones and putting them in the front. Famous. 
Blades moved to New York, Salsa was booming. His family left Panama because of political issues, and he already had a law degree then, but in New York, his diploma was worthless. Blades had recorded songs before, so he called up a contact he had at Funnier Records. Could I go there and sing or write for you? And they said, no, uh, we, we don't need you. And then right before I hung up, I said, uh, do you have anything there? And then he said, um, there's a job in the mailroom that just opened today. He took that job. Once there, Blades found his way into writing and recording songs. Ruben Blades was 30 years old when he recorded Siembra. It was his third album. The record was so different that to test the waters, he says Fania Records started promoting Siembra abroad first, in places like Venezuela, Mexico, Puerto Rico. The album became a smash, I mean, a Beatles-sized type of success abroad. It was the first salsa album to become really successful outside of New York City. And that's because Ruben Blades was talking to the whole region. That had never been done in that way on a, on a popular record at the time. Nobody talked about Latin America. Things were about El Barrio, the neighborhood. Maybe Puerto Rico, but you weren't addressing Latin America as a whole. And the fact that, uh, oye Latino, oye hermano, oye amigo, nunca vendas tu destino por el oro. You know, don't exchange your dignity for, for, for material things. Latin, friend, brother, hermano, that was, uh, that had not been presented in that context before. So many people identify with it. Latin America was going through big political turmoil then. Many countries like my native Brazil were under military dictatorships. The political songs of Siembra spoke to them. And this success abroad pushed the album back to the New York airwaves. Percussionist composer and music professor Bobby Sanabria was studying music in college then. He grew up in the Bronx, and he says it was an exciting time for salsa. There was a lot of competition. There were about 100 bands performing in the tri-state area. And uh, competition breeds what? Excellence. In terms of Ruben, he pushed that envelope with uh, supreme lyricism. And uh, thank God he did. And as Willie, as a producer, very innovative as well. Nobody gives him the credit that he should rightly deserve. Very innovative in his production techniques, mixing techniques. So uh, he's the other half of the secret uh, to that album. Sanabria remembers listening to Siembra for the very first time when the album came out in 1978. He was surprised to find himself drawn to the words. As a musician, usually you pay attention to the music first. When I opened up the album, so the li- I started paying attention to the lyrics. And as a New Yorker, my Spanish was not the best, yo me defiendo, como dicen. That means he can get by. But uh, it was like, this was like Shakespearean poetry on wax. Another thing that struck Sanabria right away about Siembra was the beginning of the first track. Mm. 
salsero beat. So somebody who's a salsero knows Ruben, he goes, oh, this is going to be a salsa album. And all of a sudden, wait a minute, wait a minute. They might have even said, hey, what is this? You know, maybe I bought the wrong album. They hear a disco beat, and then all of a sudden it breaks into a mambo guaracha rhythm. And he starts talking about what the song is about, about the phoniness of many times that we uh, take upon ourselves when we go out to the nightclub and just go out to party where we should be thinking about what's happening around us with the government and how they're exploiting us. Plástico means plastic. It's a song that is critical about the cult of appearance and consumerism, not a topic of your typical salsa. Most hits were about love, lust, having a good time. But the audience went crazy. In Venezuela, one time, they were, they were like, they almost knocked the bus over when we got to the, to the stadium. Papo Vasquez is a trombone player who was part of the recording and touring of Siembra. In concerts in Mexico, people asking you to sign their, their, their T-shirts. It was, it's crazy. It was a high, high moment in, 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 in Latin music. See, the, the, the beautiful thing about that music was that, that it was what you, what you heard on the record is what you were going to get when you were going to go see the band live. Well, yep. it, 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 it was as organic as you could get. And why? Why is that? Because everybody, you, you have the same instrumentation that's playing on the recording, is going to play live. Guayaba is also one of the most popular songs on the album. It literally means searching for a fruit. But it's not really about a fruit. It's about itching, wanting something more. It's one of the most danceable songs on the record, and it used to be a favorite for cultural critic Carolina Gonzalez. But I think that today, in 2019, my favorite is the title song. Because, I, you know, I started getting all philosophical about it. And, you know, the idea of look at the seeds that you are planting and you will, you know, and you'll see what comes up. You know, be careful of the seeds that you plant and you will see what comes up. I mean, right now that hits really hard, you know, in uh, both senses. Both in the sense of all the terrible things that are happening are from seeds that have been planted for a long time but also how we're going to get out of that is going to come from seeds that we are planting and that we have to nurture.
Princess Siembra also created a blueprint for future generations of Latin musicians. Of how do you take these thoughtful, philosophical, intellectual ideas that have, you know, um, a thought of social justice, but also integrate it with different genres that are more populist or popular. And so once Ruben and Willie said that blueprint, it's been a lot easier for other people to follow. So like, I mean, anybody like Cafe Tacuba or Calle 13 or Julieta Venegas or anybody like that, they're all following this playbook. Ruben Blades recorded this song, La Perla, with the popular Puerto Rican group Calle 13 in 2008. Ile is part of the group. She says recording with Blades was like working with an uncle because she grew up listening to Siembra at home. And I love that album. It's part of the, I don't know, the salsa culture. Ruben Blades was someone that changed the perspective of salsa, I think. It gave a different message, and but it was a, a something that we need to hear, that we needed to hear, and it's something that it has also a lot to do with, with nowadays, um, like older songs that they were sending their own message from their own time, but you hear it nowadays and they have a connection as well. So um, that album is majestuoso. Uh, I don't know how to say that in English, but majestic, maybe. Ile also has a solo career as a singer-songwriter, and she says her political songs are inspired by the message of Siembra. Here in Puerto Rico, that is a small island, you feel the emptiness a lot more, so it frustrates me and, and makes me sad as well to feel that people are indifferent to reacting, and now we need reaction and we need each other a lot more. Siembra not only instigated Latinos to push for social change, but it also catapulted the political careers for both Willie Colon and Ruben Blades. Colon ran for U.S. Congress and for New York public advocate in the 90s. He lost both elections and ended up serving as an advisor to Mayor Bloomberg. Ruben Blades was even more ambitious. After graduating from Harvard Law School in the 80s, he ran for president of Panama in 1994, but he lost that as well. Then a decade later, he was appointed that country's minister of tourism. He says it was his success that pushed him into politics. You know what happens is that there's a contradiction that arose uh, in my life. I mean, on the one hand, I, I'm doing music and singing about people who are having difficulties, social economic difficulties. And in the process, I became a wealthy person. 
and there was a contradiction there. Because all of a sudden now, I'm singing about Pablo Pablo, but I'm not him anymore. In the sense that I can choose. He can't. He's thinking about another run in Panama, maybe in 2024. The album Siembra also changed the relationship between Ruben Blades and Willie Colon. When the record came out, Colon was the most famous of the two. But with Siembra, Blades became a huge star, and he has since won 17 Grammys, between regular and Latin Grammys. He also became an actor and has done many films and TV shows. That success drove Colon and Blades apart, and they ended up entangled in the legal dispute that turned them from friends to foes. On the 25th anniversary of Siembra, they did a concert together in Puerto Rico, but weren't paid what they expected. Colon sued Blades, claiming he had kept some of his money. Colon declined to be interviewed for this story, but he eventually dropped the lawsuit. Blades says that battle ruined their relationship. I think he's one of the best producers the business has ever known, uh, salsa business. And uh, he's got a great sense of humor, and he's, you know, he's one of the icons. Uh, Other than that, I don't work with him anymore, and I will never work with him again. 41 years after Siembra was released, salsa no longer dominates the Latin music charts. That's all about reggaeton, hip-hop, pop. But salsa is still a popular dance form, and concerts draw a large crowd, like a recent salsa festival at Barclays Center in Brooklyn. I like salsa because it makes my heart beat faster. salsa is sabor, sabor. salsa contiene todo. Oh, the music just makes your body go. One of those attending the concert is salsa fan Lizette Alvarado. She's in her 20s, but she says she loves songs from the 70s. And there's no question about what her favorite is. Yes, Pedro Navas, I love Pedro Navas. Por la esquina del viejo barrio, lo vi pasar, yes. Come on, join me, guys. Por la esquina del viejo barrio, lo vi pasar. Con el tumbao que tienen los hombres al caminar. Las manos siempre en los bolsillos de su gabán Pa' que no sepan en cuál de ellas lleva el puñal Usa un sombrero de ala ancha de medio lado Y zapatillas por si hay problemas salir volado that was reporter Giselle Regatau with help from producer Sandra Lopez Monsalve. You can find and listen to our dozens of other American icon stories at studio360.org. Como a tres cuadras de aquella esquina, una mujer va recorriendo la acera entera por quinta vez. Y en un saguán entra y se da un trago para olvidar.
Thanks for listening. And you can subscribe to Studio 360 wherever you get podcasts.